Hey, everybody. This is Chris McLean. I'm the host of Hater Radio, a college football podcast here with my co-host, Ian Gibson. How are you, Ian? I'm doing good. Doing good this week. Uh, so we're going to jump off and like normally we do like our show rundown and all that. We'll just real quick. I'll do the website, haterradio.com. Uh, socials are hater underscore radio for both Insta and Twitter. Uh, haterradio at one at gmail.com for our email. Ian, what are your socials real quick? Yes. Uh, Instagram, uh, YouTube and Twitter will all be under uh, G Gator G capital G underscore Gator underscore capital G. Okay, that's where you can reach us, either me or Ian. Either way, you can reach us both on those. So um, I just want to talk about this because it obviously happened on Saturday and it's been a couple days. So I had a chance to just kind of like mull it over and let it go through. Obviously, we're talking about, you know, the Florida Kentucky game. Um, I don't know. I, I, I really don't know, like, where the fan base should be for Florida right now. I don't know what the like mindset should be because pretty much, you know, they're eliminated from the playoff. They're eliminated from the SEC championship game and it's only week five and it feels terrible. And, you know, I was depressed the next day and, uh, you know, I, uh, I, I watched the game, the rest of most of the game later that night because I was doing something during the day. But, um, you know, it's I don't know what it is. You know, obviously, this Kentucky game has been such a like it's not a trap game because they know it's coming. It's like more of like a game that has always given them problems ever since. Like it's been a real thorn in the side since I I would say around like 2000. 14 or 13 was when Kentucky was starting to really become a problem for Florida. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's because of Mark Stoops, you know, it's a competent coach who knows what he's doing and able to, uh, you know, coach up his defense, which, you know, that's, if you have a decent defense, it's going to keep you in an every game, which, you know, in this case, it did keep them in the game. They made enough plays to, make Florida make mistakes. And, you know, Emory has that one interception, the block field goal returns for a touchdown. And that was all she wrote because on the one interception, they had a short field. They took advantage of it, even though they only had like 200 yards of total offense, like 80 yards passing, you know, they did decently rushing, but it wasn't like tremendous, not a typical Kentucky day, but they didn't really have to because they got that special teams play. That was a 10 point turnaround. You know, you go from Florida going up three points to then now Kentucky put seven po- or six because they didn't make the extra point. But yeah, it's, uh, it's point a nine point. So nine point swing. That's a huge difference in the game. It probably was the game right there. You know, if that if they hit the field goal, they go up what? 16 to seven or yeah, 16. I think it was, I, I think that was when they were up or no, 10. Thir- yeah. 10. So it was, it was like 10 to seven. 10 so, 30, seven. so it would have been so 13, seven. So it would have been a six point game. They would have had to score a touchdown to go ahead of Florida at that point. Did, did you think that Kentucky could move the ball like a 60, 70 yards? I mean, the way the defense was playing, it, it didn't look like, you know, I will say with this game, <laughs> this and this is not a slight on Kentucky. They, you know, 
played very well and obviously they did all the right things, but I feel this was more of a game where Florida lost more than Kentucky won. If that makes sense. Like definitely Kentucky played a great game. I get, they didn't have, you know, they made the, I, I remember there was the quote, you know, was, you know, Dan Mullen out coach. I don't think he was out coached, but they Gators were certainly outplayed that whole game. The Kentucky was more physical, was, you know, able to make, you know, the big plays and the important plays that matter and stuff. Uh, and they were able to capitalize on um, important situations, which the Gators couldn't. This, the, and I remember I was talking, you know, to other people about this. And I said, this was a game where Florida, th- this is what is so frustrating about it. This isn't a game when Florida lost to Kentucky in 2018, Kentucky outright beat them. They won that game. They outplayed out everything Florida in that one. But this is a game where Florida had every opportunity to win the game, take the lead and all that. Cause the defense was playing great. Uh, and that, and the offense was in the red zone 10 times, not even that they were inside the uh, 10 yard line, 10 times. I think it was like seven or 10 times. And they got three points out of all those, which is, I don't care who you're playing. That's unacceptable. Um, it was, I, I don't think anybody can sure coach saying this is probably the worst loss Dan Mullen has had under while being the head coach at Florida. Um, it, it, I will, you know, it, yeah, it, it sucks because, you know, this was a game, you know, that they're supposed to, I'm getting like kind of like flashbacks to like LSU last year where it was like, this was a game that Florida was supposed to win and could have won, but they just got in their own way. That was more of the thing that was so frustrating about was that Florida got in their own way. And the biggest one was 15 penalties and over a God knows how many false starts, including on the final play where there was a false start that dropped leaders back five yards. Um, always some of, you know, the final goal line uh, drive that that's just un- unacceptable. That That's what I said about that Gators loss this is an absolutely unacceptable loss, because that was more of us just getting in our own way than Kentucky outright beating us. And I will no disrespect to Kentucky. They played a fantastic game. They made all the right plays. They were definitely more physical. They outplayed the Gators, and they definitely deserved to get that win. Because um, I would say that if the Gators somehow found a way to win that game, I don't think they would have. They deserved it because they just straight out didn't want it. Kentucky. That was a game where Kentucky wanted it more. You know, Kentucky was just more mentally sound in that. So it's a frustrating setback because you know. Again, it's more of, you know, us losing than Kentucky outright beating us. You know, it's uh, um, I I think just really out of all what happened Saturday and like going forward, it's just, you know, a lot of fans on Twitter and like uh, the Facebook group that I'm a part of, they're very upset because, you know, and it's something that's gone on forever since, you know, Steve Spurrier took over at the university of Florida, you know, the expectations where, you know, all Gator fans expect to go, you know, at most one loss every year. And, you know, if they're not competing for national championships, it's not even worth it. And I'm the same way as well, because I want to compete. I want the teams to compete for championships. And it's like, 
it does feel like a waste if it's not, if you don't even have a chance, especially five weeks in, you know, the momentum that they had after beating Alabama, you know, could have been huge. They could have rode that and like destroyed Tennessee, but they played well enough. And, you know, we're pretty much in control of that game. And it also looks a little bit better now that Tennessee game, because Tennessee just smoked Missouri. So maybe Tennessee isn't, that terrible of a team. And then just Florida was that much better. Um, But it just, I don't know. Like, I don't know how a team like Kentucky could stay um, with a team like Florida. It doesn't really. um, Well, I, I I explained how it's. I mean, mean, just, it, it really was the special teams play and, you know, it was, you know, the pressure on defense that they got and, they took away things that, uh, you know, Emory could do. I know I've heard analysis where it's saying that, you know, Emory uh, didn't throw, I think he threw one 20 yard ball, 20 yard plus ball. And, you know, like they didn't throw deep, which is like, you know, you got to, like, if you're going to move the ball on teams, you got to at least present the possibility of throwing deep. You know, Anthony Richardson didn't play again that much. Which you know he played a little bit, but didn't really. They were there. He found a way in the few times he did play to bottle him up. Um, they definitely but, moved the linebackers to the spy position whenever Richardson was on the field. The, the offense too was just so. It became very one dimensional in that game, and it was very, and it was very, it was definitely the most conservative game I have ever seen from Dan Mullen. Every yeah, and the the one thing that stands out the most about the conservative play was that. Uh, you know, they have three timeouts at the end of the first half and they don't do anything with it. I was like, what the fuck are they doing? Like, do something like like they had the ability once they got that first down, they should have called a timeout and then gone from there. But they like they, they at least because they got a big gain on one of the plays. Usually the first or second down, they got a big gain. And I was like, they should have called a timeout and they didn't. And then it was just like. They were basically just running out the clock. It was like a minute 20 or something like they had. And it's like, dude, three timeouts. You could have easily gotten down the field, at least get in field goal range. And they didn't even do that. And like, if you think about that, if they had gotten in field goal range, hit that field goal, then it's like, I don't know. Just It just sets up for more success for the game if you score there. And they like didn't even try. And that's really ridiculous. And then... No, but I did notice like when uh, Anthony Richardson was in, he did have some decent success and they got him then into like a third and eight. And he uh, it was an offsides call and he skips the ball to the receiver. And then the um, uh, Dan Mullen takes him out and puts in Emery on like third and four or third and three. And I was just like, why? Like, just keep him out there. Like, I don't know. They, they, we, we noticed that like the last couple of years where it was like, you know, Kyle Trask would be in and then they would put in Emory Jones. And then it was like, you know, Kyle Trask would then come in on third downs cold. And it was like, if you were just going to have that player out there, just keep having that one guy out there. Like, you know, if you're going to take someone out, take them out on first down, don't take them out on third down. It makes no sense when they're not even like out there. And then they're like hurried in and everything. And it's like, there's a chance for a false start or a delay of game. It's like, dude, just don't do stupid shit like that. Yet he can, Dan Mullen continues to do that stuff. You know, the the one thing that I heard a lot about was the um, 
the false starts that there was eight fucking false yep. starts and you know they kept going to the clap uh, for their uh um their hiking situation for their their signal calling and it was like i don't know why they apparently didn't practice a silent count because they never went to it and they continued to do the clap to do the signal and it never worked you know everyone was thrown off and it um really was like there was running backs that were false starting and like no one was in rhythm and like honestly that is a problem all throughout the offense because if you don't have everyone in rhythm there it's going to throw off, you know, how they're pass blocking and everything and run blocking and how they're getting into sets and are getting into the different plays and everything. So it just, it was, I don't know. And he just didn't do anything about it. I just, uh, some things with Dan Mullen, I just wonder, I know he's very smart. I, I see it in certain games like that Alabama game. He, you know, to a T was probably the best that that Florida team could play. And he got them to play it in that, you know, and second part of the second quarter on in that game. And, you know, he is a like wizard with offense. And like, you saw how great the offense was last year with Kyle Trask. I mean, they scored so many points, but it's just, some things are just not his strong suit. You know, I don't know. It just seems like he's weak at some aspects. And then the other thing I've been hearing is like, you know, he just doesn't have the cha- the championship mentality of like, you know, pushing the envelope and going for the throat and doing the things necessary to get teams. I don't know. And I, I really feel like we need to see more of Anthony Richardson. I, you know, I've seen enough of Emory Jones. Like I, I know Emory where he is. I don't think, you know, I don't know. I, I, Cause I also just think about next year as well, because it's like, you know, this year is, you know, where it is, but like, I don't know, does Emery start next year? And then we're just doing the same thing again. Like, you know, Anthony Richardson is just sitting on the bench while Emery is, you know, throwing two picks a game. You know, it's just like, I don't know. I think I'd rather much rather, you know, play the freak athlete who breaks tackles, who, you know, is learning and figuring out the passing game. I don't know. I just, that's where I'm at with it. That's where we wanted to start with the show. Ian, do you have any more on this before we move on? You know, it's, I I have no problem saying this, that loss was on Dan Mullen because it was, Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's like what I said, it's, you know, it's frustrating because, it's always frustrating. You know, these are the type of losses, you know, I've been getting for my whole life. These are the losses that, you know, actually make me mad and upset when we lose games where I can clearly see the team was better. Like when we lost, you know, Alabama, those games, the times we've lost to Georgia the past couple of years, I have no problem saying, yeah, they were the better team. They outplayed us. We got out, man. That's not a problem. But when it's a team, you know, again, not taking anything away from Kentucky, but that is a game we're supposed to win. We definitely do have a more talented roster and you kind of just open the door for them. You were just asking for an upset. And when you play like that, it was by far the worst sloppiest game I've seen under, you know, for the Gators under Dan Mullen, Um, you know, you know, the, I will say the one glimmer uh, of this, and it's a faint one, is that at least 
through how the players have responded this upcoming week um, has been mostly uh, positive. There hasn't been any, you know, well, the season's over, pack it up. We'll just, you know, play it out. They've definitely, from what I've heard from like Emory Jones, Zachary Carter, those guys, it's that they're still focused on winning these games and, you know, you know, getting some big wins uh, in that. It's just disappointing because our expectations were, you know, being at that SEC championship. And it's not impossible, but it's really freaking hard now because you need Kentucky to lose two games. Then you got to beat Georgia and then hope to God Georgia loses another game, which to the way it's looking and how that defense is playing isn't the most likely situation. And then your best best they play bet is Auburn a literal this, they play they play Auburn this week, so God God hoping. Um <laughs> one thing out of but it's like one thing at a time. So that's that's what I'll say about it. You know, the one thing is like the players, at least from what they've been saying, of practice and stuff, it's been, you know, positive. They've moved on from it. They're not dwelling on it, which is good to hear. But you know, and that's I think the important thing is now you're it's like, well. It's over, you know. You gotta, you gotta take your licks on the chin, and you gotta move on, and you gotta keep playing. You, you know, I, I get a lot of people want to say the season's over, but I mean, we still have a shit ton of games left. Um, I, I think it would be important to see how this team responds throughout the season. Um, considering that you know the expectations have changed, because like I said, it's not impossible, but it's very daunting to go back to Atlanta. Um, other than that, you know, that's what I got to say. I mean, I was very upset and disappointed because, like I said, that was more of us, you know, getting in our own way than, you know, Kentucky, you know, beating us. And also for Kentucky, uh, they had every right to storm the field. I, I saw a lot of people get upset about that. It was like, you know, the Kentucky fans, when you haven't beaten a team at home in like over 30 years, yeah, you have every right to do that. And especially against the top 10 team. Yeah. So I wanted to say that I had, I had a, there was a lot of people like, oh, that's so classless. So I was like, dude, they, we would be doing the same thing if, you know, if the roles were reversed, if that was the swamp and we beat Kentucky for the first time in 30 years and they were in the top 10. Yeah, I would probably run on the field. I get arrested, but I, I'd run on the field <laughs> for sure. Yeah, and I just, you know, I I am glad as well. Like what you said, with that, it seems like the players have moved on, and like they want to they want to make the most out of the season, and I think they still can. You know, they can still beat Georgia, they can still beat LSU, they can still beat Florida State, and those are good things. Those are our rivals. You know, those are three, as much as Florida State sucks and LSU is kind of like mediocre right now, you know, beating them is still important. You know, it's still a big deal to to win, you know, because right now this year, you know, we beat Tennessee, you know, Alabama is not an every year rival. So like, you don't really count them as a rival. And then Kentucky is a demon. Yeah. And then Kentucky's just a a division opponent that we don't really consider rivalry because we they've only lost to them twice in 40 years. So um, regardless, I like the fact that they're uh, wanting to move on. And I just hope that we do see more of Anthony Richards. That's the one thing I just hope I, I know the potential of them and I just want to see it. I just the Emory Jones show is just not where it's at. So let's move on. So what we do each week, we talk about, the games that happened before, and then we'll do a Heisman uh, watch. Then we'll do a uh, college football playoff, uh, what teams we think are going to be in the playoff this year, and then what teams are 
the last two out, and then we'll do a preview of this week's games, the ones coming up. So with that said, we talked about those Florida Kentucky games, so we're going to put that to bed. Let's talk about some of these other games. Uh, on Thursday, it was Virginia, Miami, uh, Virginia won 30 to 28 at a, on a last second missed field goal that Miami could have won and they missed it. I mean, dude, Manny Diaz's hot seat is as hot as it can be like what they're two and three, I think. Yeah, they lost to Michigan State and they lost to Alabama. So this doesn't look good, you know, for a team that wants to be um, competing for ACC titles. You know, they still haven't won one and they they've only been to one ACC championship game. So this does not look good. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, they they need to beat Florida State. I'm telling you that right now, like to lose to Florida State in a year when Florida State may only win two games and one of them might be you like that would look terrible. So uh, expect I would I would think there's going to be a fire under this team. Bless you. There's going to be a Thank fire you. under this team for the rest of the year. Um, I don't really like that kid as a quarterback. Whoever I can't even remember his name that took over for Derrick King. He's just uh, not Van good. Dyke. Yeah, Van Dyke. He dude. He's just not good. I was just like, man, this kid sucks. So like, <laughs> the future does not look good for them. Um, but uh, what what are your thoughts on this on this game, Ian? I actually laughed when it hit the upright because, you know, we're so used to like when Miami, you know, being on the right side of a missed field goal, we, yeah, like all the times yeah. they played Florida state. And this was mm-hmm. like the one time it bit him in the ass. Um, I, yeah. It, you know, this was a back and forth game. It was really good. And honestly, Virginia had really good control of this game right up until, you know, they were kind of letting Miami into this game. I remember at one point Virginia was up like 19 to like seven, um, and Virginia could have easily r- run away with it. Um, but Miami, you know, had a lot of big plays, a lot of big runs. Um, they found a way to get it, but you know, I think, you know, because Miami dug themselves in such a deep hole early, um, which unfortunately has become a bad habit from them is that miss field goal or not, you know, that was going to be, you know, tough to come back from, uh, it was, uh, you know, you know, very good game, I would say, for Virginia. Brennan Armstrong didn't have, like, you know, the typical – I wouldn't say it's disappointing because it's not like we're going to expect a guy to throw 500 yards every week. We just expect it from Armstrong because he's been doing it almost every week. But he had a good game. He was able to find uh, the right uh, rushing attack and uh, the receivers for Virginia. Um, yeah, it, it's obviously a disappointing loss for Miami, um, but – you know, it, it wasn't like I said, I don't think it was overly surprising because I thought Virginia, you know, definitely had the the more uh, talented roster there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we'll see where this Miami team goes. I'm interested to see where this Virginia team goes from here because, you know, they aren't that far off in the division and anything can happen because Carolina's not doing that well. And, uh, you know, I think I think did Virginia Tech already play Virginia or? Is that upcoming? Uh, no, they did. Uh, they play VOD. They always play VOD Tech at the end of the year. Yeah, it's at the end, so it's rivalry week. So maybe that'll decide the division. Let me see. I'm trying to think. I know, um, at least in the division there. I think that's the coastal division. I think Pitt is Pitt is ahead. Yeah, uh, Pitt is. Yeah, uh, Pitt's four and one, and then 
Virginia. Then again, three not a lot two. of teams have been playing conference games so far. We're, yeah, there's we're only just a few. now well, really actually, getting into it. North, North Carolina has four conference games already. They they're two and two in the conference. So, uh, uh, and didn't Virginia already beat North Carolina? Or no, no, Virginia lost, lost to North Carolina. Yeah, they lost. Yeah. Them. Okay, so that was the you know East Coast shootout. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, that was the one where they like they had like they came back and ended up scoring like 35 points or something like that. Yeah. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. North Carolina had scored a bunch, but okay. So regardless, let's move on. Uh, another early game uh, before Saturday was Iowa, Maryland. You know, people were like, Oh, Maryland's going to do all right. They're undefeated. And like, man, they fucking sucked. And like, again, this Iowa defense is very tenacious and very, um, uh, like fortuitous as far as getting lucky bounces and getting being in the right place for turnovers. So, you know, when you're able to turn the ball over, man, you make the world of difference, even though your offense isn't that great, which I don't think I was offense is that good, but man, their defense is so damn good. And they've got uh, seven turnovers, which that's crazy. Seven turnovers is a ton. So, they win 51-14, setting up a huge matchup this week that we'll talk about in the, the preview. Um, so uh, what uh, what of this game did you uh, find interesting or anything that stands out here, Ian? Um, I will say just a funny story about this. Um, I went, I had the game on, um, and then I, I went out with some friends uh, Friday. Um, and I, so I, I saw the game then, and it was like at the end of the first quarter and the score was like seven to three, uh, Maryland. Um, yeah. and I was like, well, uh, I was like, oh, okay. Maryland's putting up a good fight. And then we went to the movie theater. The movie's about to start. I was like, you know, I should probably check the games. And at the halftime, it was 34 to seven, Iowa. <laughs> yeah. And, and I was like, oh my God, what, in, what happened? <laughs> I, like, it, I, I, <laughs> Oh, you know, it, it caught me like oh, so off guard because I was expecting like, I don't know, maybe like 24, you know, at least if I was going to start. No, but all the interceptions and turnovers they were supposed for uh, that game was the equivalent of Iowa putting Maryland in a sleeper hold because yeah. Iowa just kept scoring and scoring, forcing turnovers, and they were choking the clock away from, I think the time of possession was almost like 40 minutes to 20 minutes to Maryland. Yeah, um, it was. I'm looking it at was, it now. And, yeah, it was an absolutely dominating game uh, by Iowa. That was honestly a statement game because a lot of people saw that, I, including myself. I saw Maryland as possibly a trap game, and you know Iowa just laughed, punched them, and kicked them while they were down. Um, it was you know a big statement win for Iowa. Um, the way hey, that defense had, looks, you had Maryland winning this game. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know, shows, shows you how smart I am. Uh, <laughs> no, I but, mean, uh, dude, like I, dude, look what I did in the the two SEC big matchups. Like I did terrible in both of those, so I don't blame you. Like this, it the people, all right, the people that are listening to this and, and that followed college football, there is, uh, it's not an exact science, you know. As much as no. like me and Ian watch a lot of the teams. And we're very knowledgeable and we have studied the sport and like no tendencies about certain things and know what should happen or whatever. There's no way of us knowing exactly what's going to happen. Like there's no way we would have known that in that Florida game, uh, there would be a block field goal return for a touchdown. No way. And that pretty much decided it, that game. So random. 
Yeah, it's 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 a, the like percentages of that actually happening are so low that we never even think about that when field goals are being kicked. It's like just not even a thought in our head because it's like, oh, it's not going to happen. So whatever, even if it gets blocked, it's more likely you're going to get blocked and then recovered and go nowhere. So um, it's just with like games like this, if we pick wrong, it is what it is. There's not much we can control. Did we see that there were going to be seven turnovers? There were six interceptions. I Like six interceptions is talk about rare. That is probably the rarest you're ever going to hear in a football game is six interceptions. Yeah. Like, that's like one of the, like the few times you'll ever see that number of picks because it doesn't happen that much. Uh, so let's move on. BYU, Utah State. I didn't watch any of the highlights. Did you see any of this? Uh, yes, uh, I did. I usually keep track of those West Coast games. Yeah. Um, it was, uh, got, you know, good, you know, Utah battle here uh, between the two. Um, it was a very, you know, kind of efficient game uh, by both uh, teams. Uh, BYU was really um, just trying to outpace uh, Utah State. Utah State um, wouldn't really get away and make it totally comfortable. BYU did have like a okay lead throughout the game, but it was always by like a touchdown or two. It wasn't, you know, there, there was always the threat of, you know, Utah state coming back. Uh, but BYU did a very good job of closing the game out. Uh, very big plays by uh, the Russian attack of BYU. Um, Al, Alligator, I believe is how you pronounce his name. Um, alligator. No, that's what I'll call him. Alligator, um, yeah. 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 218 uh, yards. Yeah, two, and you know, cr- three crucial touchdowns and all that to punch it in. Um, it was a very, uh, very efficient game for BYU, able to hold off uh, Utah State um, from really making an upset because it did. You know, there was a one-score game at one point, um, but BYU did a very good job of clamping it down, not staying. You know, pat with a one-score game. Um, the defense did a good job of you know making the big plays as well. I will say Utah State. Uh, did a very good job uh, with the passing attack, especially uh, with uh, Tompkins, the receiver of uh, the Aggies. Uh, I think he had like over a hundred yards receiving and nine receptions. It was one twenty, yeah, nine catches for one hundred and twenty-five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a very, uh, very good game for them. But you know, uh, BYU just kind of outlasted uh, Utah and got a big enough lead there. Yeah, and so that BYU team is still undefeated. So, you know, as much as um, um, – what is it? Uh, you know, Cincinnati is in the driver's seat for that possible CFP bid. Um, you honestly don't even – if you miss like miscount BYU and say no, and like they're – you know, they're not going to be there. But like honestly, I'm looking at their schedule. They have Baylor, which that's a – strong team um and then they play usc so both of those are decent games you know and they beat arizona state and they beat utah so and arizona so that you know that's some strong wins especially against pac-12 teams that's they play uh, oh, they also play Boise State too, so we'll see how that goes as well. So they've and Virginia. Holy shit, dude! This is a loaded schedule, man. Uh, I I think honestly, as much as I like Cincinnati, I think I like this schedule more, especially if this schedule goes undefeated. Like, yeah, if they know, had to pick a wild card in. Yeah, if there's if there's gonna be between Cincinnati and BYU, 
I think you would choose BYU just because of schedule, because strength of schedule has got to be up there in the top, top 20, at least, you know, I would yeah. think that they're one of the better scheduled teams with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven power five opponents. And they're not even, they're an independent, you know? So like they're playing more power fives than, Boise, they're playing more power fives than Cincinnati. So like, you know, they deserve to be up there uh, in coastal Carolina. Like is coastal playing any power fives? Probably. Um, not, I don't think many, not a lot because yeah. they have to play uh, the Sunbelt uh, within the Sunbelt. Yeah. But it's not only that they're, they're open slots. They don't have like, I don't think they had anyone like worthwhile. Um, let me look at this real quick. Uh I just think that if BYU keeps winning, they're setting themselves up to be. Um, they're they're one. Uh, well, Kansas. I mean, they're one game. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was yeah. Kansas. So I mean, that's yeah, obviously not the best much. for a resume. Yeah, it's the worst team in all of college football, all of Power Five. Okay, let's move on real quick. All right, first game of the day, and it was a big one: Arkansas, Georgia. Um, I thought that Arkansas was going to be able to move the ball. I thought they had a good enough defense. And I think what I didn't realize, um, okay, so like in the game against Texas A&M and the game against Texas, the reason why Arkansas matched up well against those guys defensively is because both of those teams passed the ball like percentage-wise. Maybe Texas yeah. A&M a little less because – the, the backups in there, but you know, Texas definitely likes to throw the ball around. And uh, so their defense, Arkansas's defense is um, I think it's like a three, three, five, three or something like that. Something yeah, it's like it's that. one of those where they have a bunch of linebackers. Well, no, no, no. They have a bunch of defensive backs. Oh, defensive. So, yeah. 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 So they have like three safeties, which is very rare. Like most teams only have, two safeties at most and then like the, they'll play like half the field so like one will play the other half but like the three safeties so they split it up in thirds and um so you know if you're a team like georgia you're licking your chops because you're like holy shit these guys only play the the three safety look we're just gonna fucking run the ball down their throats and that's what they did yeah. they didn't even that's that, what georgia think, does I think Stetson Bennett had like 70 yards passing or some shit. He had, he, I remember, I remember he threw, I know he threw less than 15 passes. I know that. It was like some like 11 passes was, or something. It was something really yeah. ridiculous because they didn't have to pass and they were able to muscle them. And they, cause they only had three down linemen. Of course, you're going to be able to run the ball with three linemen in the box. Like, what is that? Like ridiculous. And so Arkansas loses uh, 37 to nothing and they get shut out and Georgia continues this run. But I, I still need to see him against a competent team. I thought Arkansas was competent, but they're just not there yet. I think they're still going to have a couple of losses because they, they're getting in the meat of their schedule. They're going to have to play Alabama. They're going to have to play Ole Miss. So there's going to be a loss or two here and there. Um, but, uh, I want to see Georgia against uh, Auburn and I want to see Georgia against Florida. And then I can truly give my opinion on this team until now. I'm Jerry's still out. Uh, anything stands out to you? Uh, do you believe their defense is elite now? Because that was an elite defense that we saw Saturday. Um, 
that I was still, I still think uh Jefferson was probably a little sore and not as not oh, as yeah, well they, as he could they, have been. That was the most Georgia Georgia game I you know that's what they do it's you know I'm not you know being a you know I know my rivals I don't have a choice yeah, yeah. Uh, that is what they do that was the most typical Georgia game the defense just comes out chokes you out doesn't give you anything I think Arkansas had like 150 160 yards of total offense the whole game and they barely did like I think they had like a handful of first downs. And I remember time of possession was totally on Georgia's side because like you said, they just ran the ball all over the place Um, because that's all they needed to do. You know, when the thing is when Georgia is playing a Georgia type game, it's really tough to beat them because you're playing their game now. They they had complete control of that entire game. Well, Once, again, the the one thing that stands out to me was that punt block return for a touchdown. And oh, I yeah. knew I was watching the game and I saw the first one and I was watching as they had they were backed up in their end zone. And I'm like, oh, man, this might get blocked. And it didn't. And then the next one comes up and I'm like, yeah, I think it's going to get blocked. And I like didn't watch it because I like something was going on in my house and I had to pay attention and then I turned around and it was blocked and it was of course. And so that game went from a 14, nothing game to a 21, nothing game right then. And like, that's what was the difference because really once they were in control by two, three scores, once you get down by three touchdowns to yeah, a team like Georgia with that defense, it is really hard. Cause even before that Georgia wasn't letting Arkansas move around a lot. There wasn't a whole lot of cohesion and movement. Well, they, that were, they, you know, they, they did get, they did have a decent drive that was into Georgia's territory. And I think they missed the field goal. And so, you know, that, and they dude, they had 13 penalties, just like Florida, you know, like, you know, Georgia is more apt to score more than like a Kentucky team. But like, you know, again, if you commit 13 penalties and have a special team score go against you, you're more than likely going to get. I know I know you're like the yeah, it's still 37, nothing. But I'm looking at the stats that Georgia had. I'm not like overly impressed with their offense. Like, yeah, they can run the ball, but like, oh yeah, their offense. But that's the thing with Georgia is like, you're not there for the offense. You're there for the defense. I've always said from the, you know, Georgia has had a championship level defense. It's the offensive side of the ball. That's been the missing piece. And again, I'll I'll say that the the offense, I'm still not overly impressed. I've been impressed with the defense since day one, but the offense is still, there's still more I want to see. They definitely played their game, and like I said, once you're playing a Georgia game, it's 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 tough to beat them. Okay, but the 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 thing I'm trying to point out though, look at the teams that they played. I mean, regardless of the Arkansas, look at it before that, they played a South Carolina team that is terrible, and they smoked them. They played a Clemson, Clemson. team that offensively is challenged. It's bad. It's not a good offense. And it, it's been shown through the, the five games that they've played. They're a terrible offense. And yes, they held them to three, but that's not a good offense. They played Vanderbilt, one of arguably the worst teams, one of the worst Vanderbilt teams I've ever seen. So I don't look, 
I know everyone wants to blow smoke up this team's ass because there's no one else out there right now. There is no one else doing decent. You know what I'm saying? But the, the, the problem is Georgia doesn't play anyone this year. They don't play Alabama. They don't play LSU. They don't play uh, a strong Ole Miss team. They played Arkansas and they're going to play Auburn. And like, you know, Auburn, I'll see what happens this week. But as, as of right now, I'm not thinking too highly of it. But, you know, besides that, they don't really have a test and they won't have a test to the SEC championship game, which I guarantee you, if they fucking play Alabama, they will get smoked because Alabama's offense is good. And I know that because they were moving the ball against Florida. It wasn't until uh, Florida's defense made changes that actually uh, started to stop them. But like, in that first quarter against uh, Florida, Alabama was scoring at will. Um, I don't think Georgia can handle a team like Alabama, and that's just my opinion. But we'll, let's move on because we could talk about this for hours. Yeah. Okay, Wisconsin-Michigan. Uh, Michigan wins 38-17. It was closer than I think the final score showed um, when I was watching the highlights. and uh, But Michigan was making plays and, you know – doing the things that they needed to do to win. Uh, they have some games coming up that'll really prove if they're worthwhile again, which I love about most about college football is that like, you can say you're good, but until you beat the top dogs in the world, like, you know, they're going to have Penn state, they've got Ohio state and they've got Michigan state. All those teams have really good records and have played very well and played against very good teams. So I will judgment out on Michigan until I really see it against one of those teams. Wisconsin is just done, man. They're just, that's it. They don't really have any hope for really much. Cause that's, I think three losses. Cause they lost to Penn three state. Losses. Yeah. They lost to Penn state. They lost to Notre Dame and they lost to Michigan. So, I mean, maybe they could sneak up on Iowa in that division, but I don't think so. Uh, anything that stands out to you? Um, I will say one, uh, one thing. Um, and it's just an aesthetic thing. Of course, as you know, and may, many others know, um, I, I, sh I, sh nobody else does, but I do about like uniforms and stuff. That was some of the worst uniforms I've ever seen in Michigan <laughs> ever wear. The blue pants. It looked like they were wearing jean shorts. Oh my God. <laughs> they good. were the most ugly I remember seeing the highlights. And I was like, what are they? Are those practice pants? Those are terrible. Anyways, besides the horrendous away look, uh, this was a game where Michigan just straight out wore down um, Wisconsin after the, you know, the second half. And especially going into the fourth quarter, Wisconsin just had their, you know, just the defense couldn't hang on to the more because the Russian attack uh, was starting to pick up for Michigan and they were able to make the big plays and wear them down. Michigan's one of those teams that does that, that they'll just wear you down uh, the longer you play the game if they get the game going the way they want. Um, and yeah, it was really tough for, you know, Wisconsin because the offense has been sputtering. I know Mertz got um, hurt in the game. Mm -hmm. And when that happened, it was very, you know, it was a struggle to get really any offensive movement going, um, which is typical Wisconsin, like kind of like Georgia. They're known more for their defense than their offense. Yeah. Uh, but overall, you know, I would say this was a very good win uh, for Michigan, um, you know, showed, you know, the willingness, you know, they took advantage of the opportunity. They saw the defense of Wisconsin, which was like the backbone of the team uh, to wear them down. Yeah. Yeah. Um 
I'm going to move on just because there's a lot of games today. So, uh, uh, again, I just, Mertz is just not it. But let's move on real quick to Louisville Wake Forest. Uh, Louisville loses barely 34-37. Wake Forest seems to be the real deal here. And uh, beating pretty much everyone they've played, which is amazing because no one would have thought Wake Forest would be uh, a worthwhile team. But uh, um, I didn't get to watch the highlights of this one. I think I saw some of the stuff as the day was going on, but I didn't get to watch like the full highlight package. But your boy Malik Cunningham uh, killed it, though, Ian. One more time, Chris. Did you hear me? Uh, no, my, my thing's having a seizure right now. Hang on. There we go. You hear me? Yeah, can, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, did you hear what I said? One, yeah, one more time. I, it was like sputtering for me. Oh, it was the I was talking about the Louisville uh, Wake Forest game. Uh, Malik Cunningham had a pretty good day. Oh yeah, yeah. The that one was. Uh, hey, <laughs> um, that was one of those you know games I was looking forward to because, like I said, I do like Malik Cunningham and I do like the Colonel offense. But the you know Wake Forest team is kind of like being that you know team to beat that they just made the more important uh plays when necessary um and that one it was it was really a duel because i think both of the quarterbacks had over 300 yards uh total um uh between the two um very good game honestly i thought this was like the game of the day um because you know both teams were very even it was an offensive shootout and i think both teams have over 500 yards too yeah they Um, both did yeah and that so it was very uh obviously very uh exciting game uh and it was very great to see at least a team like wake forest be able to hang on because i remember they kicked the leading field goal there was like two minutes and something seconds left um but the way louisville looked um especially with the way cunningham uh was uh playing because they were making those big plays um they kind of it was one of those things where they kind of left too much. You, you would kind of think they left too much time on the clock, but the defense was able to step up, limit Cunningham, uh, and making the big play, um, and that. But a uh, uh, very good win for Wake Forest is probably honestly the best one of the year, um, going forward. Uh, so overall, good win and probably the game of the week. Yeah, and uh, I'm looking at their schedule. They have three relatively easy games coming up Syracuse army and Duke where they could be eight. No coming into the home stretch, which their home stretch is actually quite difficult. They had North Carolina, NC state Clemson and Boston college. So that's going to be tough, but, and only one game at home out of those four. So they have a chance, man, to make some noise and to really like try to get that division. Um, As of right now, I think, Let's see. Yeah, they're leading the division and, uh, you know, they'd have to beat NC State head up to really get that division. Um, So in even like another loss wouldn't hurt them if they just beat NC State. So if they beat NC State, they more than likely will win the division. So um, crazy. I never would have thought that. Ian, is your are you still with me? Yeah, this damn thing. Eric, can, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. All right, hang on. 
Okay, I can okay, see you good? again. Yeah, we're good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, right. so let's move on because that was uh, we'll talk about Wake Forest uh, uh, when when it comes time to and the 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 meat of their schedule. So another big game, Alabama Ole Miss. Alabama just smokes them. Starts off super hot. I mean, Lane Kiffin was trying all those fourth downs and it just was not working. Uh, 42-21 Alabama wins. Alabama now securely in the driver's seat in the West. More than likely going to see them go to the SEC championship game. Um, Ian, what do you think of this game? I, I remember I saw the pregame. And they were talking to Lane Kiffin. And I remember the whole week, Lane Kiffin wasn't being like the prototypical, you know, you know, swagger, you know, Lane Kiffin. He was dead set focused, wasn't saying anything. Hey, Ian, hang on a second. I can barely hear you. Can you hear, hear me now? Uh, it's still low. Um, give me a sec here. Damn it. I heard something. Wait, I talking to the mic. Eric. Yeah, I can hear better now. Yeah, I can hear better now. All right. So let me hang on, I gotta try this real quick. Yeah, I can hear you good. Uh, I can, you can hear me, right? Yeah, I can hear you. So why? Why can every time with this? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. All right. Yeah. This, I don't know why it's been doing this. Um, okay. Uh, but anyways, from scratch, um, I saw the pregame of this. Uh, you know, I was watching the pregame on C. You know, they had the CBS and they were interviewing Lane Kevin. Lane Kevin wasn't saying anything controversial or all that for the week. He was like dead set focus on like, you know, we're going to beat Alabama. You know, we're going to try to our best against Alabama, all that stuff. Uh, and I was like, okay, Lane Kiffin's, you know, like you said, he's been maturing, he, you know, he's saying the right things and stuff. And then he had to say, get your popcorn ready. And I was like, why did you have to say that, dude? Because I don't know if Nick Saban heard it. Um, I'm going to assume he did, considering it's Nick Saban and he's like God in college football, so he hears everything. Um, and I was like, that's a bad omen. And sure enough, Alabama just came out and flat out punched Ole Miss in the mouth. That was a... <laughs> that was a schooling of what Alabama did there. Um, because at halftime, you know, it was typical Bama game. They got that big, you know, at, you know, we're up 28. Uh, I think nothing at halftime and it was not looking too good. They were doing a very good job of limiting uh, Matt Corral, who actually didn't have like a bad game. Uh, but for everybody on Ole Miss, including Corral, they needed to be, have like their best game ever in, it is almost impossible to do that against Bama. So it was a very, you know, big win uh, for the Tide. Um, and, yeah, like I said, they're just maintain control uh, to their path to Atlanta. Yeah, and uh, it just – I 
I expected more out of Lane. I expected them to be, you know, doing things. They moved the ball, but they were in a lot of fourth down situations and he was rolling the dice and trying to get, you know, more momentum with that. And he just, it bit him because they were like, you know, they couldn't convert. They, what is it? They went two of five. So, you know, some of those were really costly because they put uh, Alabama in really good field position and they were able to capitalize and just pretty much the difference in the game because there wasn't too many turnovers regardless. There were there was a fumble lost, which that would gave them a short field as well. But then Alabama threw an interception at one point. So, um, yeah, just tough way to lose. I had Ole Miss winning and, you know, by a couple of scores and it just didn't turn out, you know. You never know. Okay, let's like move I, on. Like I said, it's I it's never doubt Nick Saban. Yeah, exactly. Okay, uh, moving on. Uh, USC, Colorado. I didn't see the highlights of this one, but good to see USC back on the winning uh, side again, uh, 37-14. Um, still a lot up in the air with that program because Clay Hilton got fired and they're kind of just figuring things out. Who knows when they'll announce a coaching hire um, just hearing a lot of speculation, nothing really being like solid. You're not hearing who's getting interviewed or what. It's definitely not going to be Urban Meyer. <laughs> Urban Meyer. Oh, yeah, it's, sorry. Well, it's definitely not going to be him after what happened last weekend. So, hey, man. Uh, I mean, Urban Meyer is, you know, but, but for all you USC fans that are listening, you know, look, we're. We're hoping the best for this program because we want us to be able to talk more about them. And, you know, it's just it's a struggle right now. But if they get the right hire, they can get on the right uh, right track. And hopefully that'll be a team we talk about coming in the near future. But as of right now, if they're losing more, it's going to be less and less. We're going to talk about uh, Slovis did play, um, but, you know, it's not something we're going to focus on because of the fact that they're uh, not doing so well. So move on real quick. Coastal Carolina. um University of Louisiana Monroe, Ian, your thoughts on this game? Um, yeah, go to your chickens, man. They uh <laughs> they showed how much um, better they were in that one. Um from 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 the start, you know, they were in complete control of that game. Uh because you know, the way the offense has been constructed uh and kind of, you know, with this team, it has been around, you know, getting the right plays to the right player great players uh, with that. Um, the offense, you know, did really good over 500. You know, I think they had over, they were near like 600 yards of total offense and all that. Um, it was just that RPO thing was just confusing the Warhawks too much. Um, and, and it kind of showed that Coastal just was like, just outmanned uh, ULM Monroe. Um, so good win uh, for the Chanticleers. Uh, they move on. I know they play uh, the Red Wolves uh, this upcoming week, uh, who's kind of been in the dumps of the Sun Belt. But it's, you know, once again, very uh, good, uh, good one for them. It shows how impressive their offense can be. Yeah, and we'll, we'll get to see more of them coming up. And, you know, they go undefeated. You never know what could happen. I mean, at least they got a chance of like a New Year's Six uh, Bowl, which would be really cool, especially for that program. Okay, moving on. Um, Cincinnati going up against Notre Dame. Cincinnati with a huge win, 24-13. Um, you know, uh, Ritter had an amazing game. Uh, you know, the just the fact that, you know, Notre Dame – you know, is this storied program and, you know, Cincinnati is seen as like a bit of an upstart 
even though the last several years they've been right there with a lot of teams, um, you know, they were basically in control of this game. They were up 17 nothing at one point. Notre Dame came back a little bit, but, you know, for the most part, Cincinnati was the better team. And, uh, you know, they, I don't know, it's, it's potential, you know, win like this, a a top 10 team that they were going up against when it happened. Now Cincinnati is number five in the country because of it. I don't know crazier things have happened, but you know, if teams in front of them lose Cincinnati could be one of those teams that end up in the playoff and, you know, a one game playoff, you know, they may not win both the games, but they could win one playoff game. And that would be crazy if a team like Cincinnati gets in and wins a playoff game. Cause that would make things interesting. You know, they would probably get blown out in the championship game, which everyone would be pissed about, but yeah, well. it still would be interesting though. Yeah. It's uh, you know, I, I, I'm pretty sure I called this one. I think Cincinnati with how, you know, they were playing um, and how Notre Dame, you know, just wasn't, you know, really having hitting their stride what cincinnati needs to do now is hope uh that notre dame goes off for the rest of the year because that will be the best look for them because cincinnati cincinnati thoroughly dominated this game um they had were up 17 nothing at halftime they really didn't let the irish get back into it um I remember it got close in the fourth quarter, um, but I, you know, clutch uh, touchdown by Desmond Ritter and uh, the Bearcats um, to win it. It was actually, you know, the score, you know, doesn't really tell the whole story, but, you know, Cincinnati got the big plays and made the necessary plays uh, to catapult them to the win. So this is obviously the biggest win of the season for the Bearcats and honest, and it's one of the biggest wins for the program in the past couple of years. Um, so overall good one for Cincinnati. If there's any team outside the power five that has a shot at making it, it is Cincinnati, but we're going to have to see how nerdy, because if Notre Dame does just completely fall apart and maybe it was like a five, six win team that loses, loses a lot of luster. Cause that would be the best win they would have. Cause a lot of teams in the American conference aren't at you know optimal level i think the only other ranked team in the american conference is smu Mm -hmm. um and i think they're like in like the you know outside you know 20 yeah like late 20s like 22 something like that they're around that range so it's it's really up to that and then of course they got to win the conference championship and all that so that's the other thing is cincinnati can't sweep now uh you have to win out now You, you know you got your win uh, against you know that was their you know the game they had circled on their calendar. Now you got to win out, win your conference, and hope for the best. Yeah, um, I'm gonna move on because we just got a lot to cover real quick. So let's move on. Oklahoma, Kansas State. Oklahoma wins 37-31. Um, Spencer Rattler had an okay game. They, uh, um, it was you know a little bit of a lead. Um, and then Kansas state made it interesting late, but you know, Oklahoma continue to be undefeated. They got a big game coming up. We'll talk about that later. Uh, anything that, uh, you want to noteworthy here, Ian? Um, Oklahoma, I mean, again, Oklahoma, you gotta, they gotta stop having these games where it's way closer than it needs to be. Um, yeah. cause eventually it's going to bite them. Yeah. Um, they're undefeated right now, but you know, you keep playing these type of games where you kind of fall asleep at the wheel um, and let teams like Kansas, because obviously I think no, even Kansas State fans will agree, Oklahoma is the more talented team, but you can't, you know, 
just expect a win walking in. And you, the more times you sweep walk in the games, the more likely you're going to get, you know, bit in the ass for it. So Oklahoma <laughs> gets the win. It still hasn't been. I'm still yet to find like the thing to impress me from Oklahoma this year because they've been shaky since the start against Tulane. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's definitely been kind of a, I don't know. It's been in very blase performance all year for them, but uh, they kept, they keep winning. They've kept in front of these teams and been able to do just enough to win. They have a big matchup this weekend. We'll talk about in the, the, the look ahead, but let's move on. Uh, Ohio state beats Rutgers 52 to 13. Uh, I was surprised that this game wasn't closer. You know, Ohio state like throttled them. There was basically, I think it was 45, nothing or, or something like that. It was like that was something like it. I, I, it I know was something Rutgers ridiculous got a few points of the first quarter, but they were, they were running away with it at halftime. Yeah, it was like, they, they had 45 points by the end of uh, the first half. And it was like, Oh man, like this is ridiculous. Like this is out of control. So let's move on from that. There's not much really to talk there. Uh, Oregon Stanford. We will talk about this because huge upset upset alert. I don't think we either had it. No, no, neither of us had it. Stanford wins 31 24 in overtime. You know, this Stanford team is pesky. They'll beat teams every once in a while like this. And I remember, what was it like? 10 years ago when like the Oregon Stanford matchup was like the, you know, like the big matchup in the PAC 12 North. And it was like always like appointment viewing. Cause it was, you know, you had, um, uh, what's his face? Um, uh, God luck. I can't remember his first name. Oh yeah. Andrew luck, Andrew luck. Yeah. Yeah. Andrew luck was there. And then like Oregon was really good. Cause Chip Kelly was there. So it was like always these crazy games. And it was like, you know, uh, you know, very strong Stanford teams back in the day. Stanford's kind of been like whatever the last couple of years, but still strong. But just, you know, Oregon had the lead with like no time left. They seemingly get the game to end. And then there's a penalty, of course, just like in the uh, national championship game between Miami and Ohio State. And no, 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 not yet. Another play, and then Stanford yep. scores, forces overtime, and gets the win in overtime. And, you know, I still like this Oregon team. I still think they're strong. I like uh, Brown. I think he's a strong quarterback. I think he commands the offense better than uh, uh, Slow or Slow or whatever. I can't remember how to say his name. That kid just sucks. Stroke but, you know, or- Stowe or whatever, like it was yeah. S-L-O-U-G-H, but just said weird. But uh, regardless, I like this Oregon team. I still think they've got plenty to play for. You know, even with a loss like this, they still have the potential to get into the playoffs. So uh, what are you thinking from this game that needs to uh, need to be said, Ian? Um, I will say, yeah, I'm not – their playoff hopes aren't dead, but it's definitely a lot tougher than it would be for other teams because – um, the schedule I remember seeing after the game, it said the remaining schedule, or this is like, you know, the college football review I see on ESPN at the end of the night. It said the remaining schedule for Oregon at the moment does not have a ranked team in their schedule. Um, the best team that could possibly be ranked by the time they play them is either UCLA or Oregon State. Um 
So if they could run the table and win those games, then they would still have that win against Ohio State. But now they need another win against a rate team to really sell that they, you know, the Stanford game was a fluke and, you know, they have to remain perfect for that. I agree with you. Oregon is, I still think, a good team. Uh, Stanford did a good job of, you know, kind of bottling up the offense um, and all that. Die didn't really have the game, you know, were expected from him. Um, they were able to keep him to over, you know, under a hundred yards, which is what was important. Um, so it's a very, very disappointing loss for Oregon. I mean, someone in Florida, that was a game they were supposed to win regardless of, you know, the controversy of the, you know, the play um, Oregon, it should have never been a close game, uh, but Oregon, you know, kind of opened the door. You know, I felt like there were like a lot of teams Saturday were just like, you know, leaving the door open for these teams to run in. Cause I think Stanford went up like 10, nothing at the start. And, you know, yeah, you they can't do. have that. Yeah. And you know, it's, I don't know Th- these things with teams like this, like, you know, it games like this happen, just like the game, like you said, the game with Florida and Kentucky, that stuff happens. So, you know, <laughs> I think Oregon is going to be to the point if Cristobal stays there and keeps stability with that program that in like two years from now, stuff like this doesn't happen. But as of right now, they're going to they're going to lose some of these games every once in a while. So let's move on. USF SMU. I watched a good portion of this game and, you know, I still like Timmy McLean. He's done well so far this year. Um, I just think that they're like, still learning how to crawl before they can run. And so they got to do a lot of things to get themselves right. I think there was a point, it was it right before halftime, they drive down the field and um, nine seconds left. They don't have any timeouts. And McLean, for some reason, scrambles way too long and doesn't throw the ball away once he doesn't see anyone open and loses all the time and doesn't get a chance at a field goal. And it's like those things, obviously he'll get coached up after that, but it's like, he needs to not do those things because, you know, you can't, you know, lose those chances at points like that, especially when at that point the game was relatively close, you know, they SMU ends up winning 41, 17, but you got to keep the game close at any, any, any way possible. You know, they were giving up huge, chunks of yards, you know, yep. SMU was just able to move the ball. Mordecai is a very good quarterback. And I expect, you know, SMU to challenge Cincinnati when they play each other. Um, so and I don't know if they play the regular season, but they'll definitely play in the championship game. So, all right, moving on, um, Texas A&M, Mississippi state, interesting game. Uh, you know, Mississippi state road team coming into, uh, the Texas A&M's home field, Kyle field. And, you know, they took it to them, you know, they win 26, 22. And I just don't like this Texas, Texas A&M team. I know that they love to overrate Jimbo. I know so many people think he's amazing. I just, I'm not sold. And I don't think I ever will be, you know, he had one magical year with Jameis Winston because they played one of the worst schedules in the history of uh, like the a, a top team that goes on to be somewhat thought of because they played nobody's that year in 2013 and they still even got to play nobody in that championship game because they got to play Auburn. And it's like, you know what? They lucked into that championship and, you know, it's just, I don't really think highly of Jimbo. Regardless, Mississippi State, 
able to move the ball, make the plays that they needed to, got the victory here. Uh, your thoughts, Ian? Um, I'm kind of starting to be on the I've, – I've always did – you know, my perspective was I did like Jimbo Fisher as a coach. I think he did a good job um, at Florida State maintaining that level. But, you know, he got lackadaisical after the uh, – after the national championship in 13, but now I'm starting to kind of turn the corner where I'm like, is he really the guy for AM? Cause AM is kind of at that position where a lot of Florida things are kind of thinking with us is, you know, AM is supposed to be, it's kind of actually exacerbated now is AM is supposed to be competing for the SEC West. And they've been, as you said, been hyped and predicted yeah. to, you know, be that team to challenge Alabama and now they might get passed by by teams like, you know, Mississippi State and Ole Miss. Um, and it, it's making me think because I do think losing the story cornerback because Calzada is just not the guy right now for AM. and it's, it's pretty obvious. The offense just doesn't work with him. But the rest of the team, and especially the defense, got exposed against Mississippi State. Mississippi State, I've always said this with Mike Leach. Um, I do really like him as a person and – as a coach, but his offense is, I don't want to say one dimensional, but it is predictable. You know, they're going to, you know, throw the ball around the yard and they were able to do it and still, you know, uh, outscore Texas A&M. There was very, you know, little protection in the passing game, not a lot of like pressure um, on the quarterback and on the offense and all that. Um, So it was a very, that one kind of got me because I thought Mississippi state, people are starting to crack the code on Mike Leach and how the offense, you know, works against the airway against an SEC defense. Cause I always said, you know, when you play against an SEC defense, that is not even that that's a completely different animal. So there's some things that work and I don't think the air raid was going to work. It worked against Texas A&M. It shouldn't, but it did. Yeah. You know, um, I really like Mike Leach. I'm so glad that he is in this conference. It makes Mississippi State relevant, you know, like it makes them uh, some team to focus on. And a team like now only has two losses, you know, who knows what they could do the rest of the year. You know, I and I got it. They had just beaten LSU. They'd only have one loss and they mm-hmm. easily could have won that game. They just made stupid mistakes in that game to to get them out of it, but I like what they're doing and, uh, but we're going to move on. Okay. So Baylor, Oklahoma state, uh, Oklahoma state wins 24, 14, still undefeated. Mike Gundy having those Cowboys, uh, you know, right there in contention for this big 12 championship. Um, what stands out to you there, Ian? Uh, for me, that was, you know, kind of your, you know, your typical Oklahoma state. Cause now Oklahoma state has kind of been the place of the running back in the big 12. Um, very good game uh, from the rushing attack uh, for Oklahoma State. Um, I think they had over like 200 yards rushing. I remember um, the kid uh, Warren. Uh, he had well over 100 yards. They just kept feeding him the ball, and he kept on um, getting uh, some pretty important plays there. Um, the passing attack wasn't there, but it was also um, good to see the uh, defense of Oklahoma State was able to limit uh, the passing of uh, Bohan. Um, and kind of throw a monkey wrench into the rushing attack uh, for Baylor. So overall, it was a good win for Oklahoma State. They do remain undefeated. Um, I think they are leading 
it's them in Oklahoma. I, I don't know. I guess they're technically tied for first. Uh, so whenever they play, um, when they play Oklahoma at the end of the year, that'll be a big matchup if, you know, it winds up the way it does. Um, but overall, yeah, good win for, uh, for the Cowboys. Um, I, I, you know, like I said, I would just keep feeding them uh, the Russian attack because it's shown to be working so far this year. Yeah. Uh, you know, Doing good things against decent teams, and they've you know a five nothing or five nothing uh, five and zero oh record. So like, dude, I I'm surprised because that nothing was really even said about Oklahoma State coming into the season, and like they've really like stood out so far above the rest. Um, you know, I'm interesting. To, I'm interested to see what happens with them. You know, their matchup against Texas will uh, probably be deciding as well to see who is the other person against Oklahoma, but all three the, you know, those three will play each other and we'll talk about the one coming up, but yet definitely, uh, you know, intriguing to see what happens with this big 12 because two undefeated and uh, one with one loss. Um, I mean, there's others with one loss as well, but I really think the three are Oklahoma state, Oklahoma and Texas are the, the top teams, but let's move on. Uh, Penn state, Indiana, Man, I was way off on this one. I don't even know why I thought Indiana was going to win, but Penn State rolls them 24-0, just kind of does what they do. Their defense is really solid. You know, they prevented Indiana from doing really anything, and Penn State rolls them. Uh, anything that stands out to you? I mean, you were right. You had 27-7, to so you were almost dead on with that score. Yeah, I just thought, you know, Indiana just kind of spider. They don't have that, you know, moxie that they did last year. And Penn State is kind of rolling here. Um, defense is doing the job is, you know, just limiting, making sure Penix didn't, you know, make any of those big plays. And, you know, the offense definitely filled in the role of getting those uh, necessary plays to score. So good win for uh, Penn State, a necessary win. You know, don't let these – they actually did the one thing other teams didn't, I guess, that Saturday was – they didn't let its inferior team sneak up on them. Yeah, and Penn State, you know what? They're going to have a huge matchup coming up, so we'll talk about that in a little bit. But definitely a very good season so far for them, and we'll see where it goes. Like I said, they have the matchups coming up, so we will see if they truly are one of those top teams if they can get in the playoffs. So uh, moving on, Clemson, BC. Clemson beats uh, Boston College, nineteen thirteen, close game. Um, you know, surprisingly close. But BC is not a bad team. They've they've done quite well. They beat Missouri. You know, they've they've held their own this year. But uh, Clemson, again, terrible offense. Just just uh, just not doing what people thought they were going to do. And um, you know, whatever. You know, I'm not going to talk too much about this one because. You know, they're pretty much out of contention for the playoffs. So that I don't really need to focus. We don't need to focus on what they're doing. Let's talk about Auburn LSU. Auburn, Bo Picks, otherwise known as Bo Nix, uh, decides to have a good game and had some crazy plays yeah. where he was just running wild and just throws up a prayer and his receivers pulled it down. So he that he, that play reminded me, you remember when like Johnny Manziel against Alabama, like he hit oh, the yeah, guy, yeah. the ball fluttered in the air. He yeah, caught yeah, it, yeah, laid yeah, around, yeah. did a bunch oh, of yeah. circles. And then that's yeah. what that play reminded me of. <laughs> yeah. So he's, uh, he's, you know, got them on the winning ways. And, you know, that's a huge win for them beating LSU. It was the first time since 99 that they won in Baton Rouge. I was like, what the fuck? It's been that long. I guess that makes sense. Cause I, 
I've never, I don't remember Auburn winning there. I know there's been some close ones. There was like one in like 2007, I believe the year that the LSU won a championship that was like close. And like, I think mock was the the, the quarterback and like, yeah. And like, he like came from like, like just the depths of like despair, like they weren't working to win and they some somehow pulled one out of their ass against them. Uh, but I, it, one of my favorite matchups, you know, back in the day, I used to watch this game all the time. Cause I just love the hitting. There used to be like such good defenses in this, in these games in the Auburn LSU matchup. And it was like such a like intriguing game to watch because it'd be like, you know, just massive hits and like, low scores and whatever, but uh, still a good game. I watched some of it and then watched the highlights and, you know, I'm intrigued to see where Auburn goes with, you know, and I, I know I keep always saying it, but you know, it's with some of these teams, it's like, you never really know what's going to happen. You don't know if it's going to be a great year, if it's going to be okay year. And so there is potential with Auburn to do something there. Okay. Let's move on. Last two real quick uh, to uh, West coast teams, Arizona state, UCLA, Arizona State was only up by a point at halftime, but then ends up rolling up 21 points in the second half and beating UCLA 42-23. You know, UCLA has two losses, which I thought they were going to get, you know, potential just two losses. Can they win out the rest of the games? It is possible, but it's going to be very tough. Um, Anything that stands out from you, Ian? Um, Oh, uh, yeah, that, that kind of took the air. That was definitely kind of a deflating loss for UCLA. Um, and I know Arizona State has definitely picked it up. They're a lot better than a lot of people, including myself, thought we were going to have this year. But, yeah, it was only a one-point game going to halftime. And yet, you know, they gave up, I think it was like 18 unanswered. Yeah, 18 unanswered points in the entire second half. And they didn't score at all in the second half. And, that's one of those things. I'm sorry. That's unacceptable. You can't yeah. have that when you're that close at halftime. And then Arizona State just ran all over them. The game was actually close. It's just the scoreboard doesn't tell the story. And UCLA just like totally, you know, kind of self-destructed going into that, you know, uh, after the halftime. Um you know, very. I would say out of all the losses, that was one of the you know most disappointing from that Saturday. Next to probably Florida, Kentucky, because um, I thought UCLA would you know do a good enough job uh, to win the game, but you know they just you know let Arizona State you know kind of walk all over them there. Yeah, I mean it's disappointing because I I you know the game was at home and there was only forty thousand people there, which sucks that they can't get more people into those games. This is such a great stadium and like, you know, there should be more people at that stadium because the team is doing better and you would think like attendance would go higher, but it's just kind of is what it is. But um, I still think they're on the right track. Even if they don't win 10 games this year, they'll still get like eight or nine. And that's still a really good year for, you know, the last three, four years, only winning like a couple of games, you know, to get that many this year would be tremendous. So moving on last game of the, of what we're going to cover Fresno state going up against Hawaii, Fresno state loses 27 to 24 surprisingly. And uh, I don't know, this probably cuts our talk about Fresno state, Fresno state going forward, just because you know, it was really, they were kind of this, 
you know, team that was in lurking and possibly getting a New Year's Six Bowl, but they had one loss already, so it was going to be tough. But now we'll probably won't see that. But uh, anything that stands out to you, Ian? Uh, yeah, it was just kind of the, those mental mistakes because, you know, Fresno State, you know, they had a – they were up like 24 to 10 um, going into the uh, fourth quarter, and they just couldn't seal the deal. Um, Hawaii, they just – it was kind of like, you know, it all went downhill. And Fresno State totally won- should have won this game, but they had six turnovers. And when you give a team that many chances – you're going to like that. You're asking to get, you know, get Hunter loss on, I don't, on whatever team you're playing. Um, it was six total turnovers. I think four interceptions. Uh, Hayner did have uh, the quarterback of Fresno state did have a good game. I think it was almost 400 yards passing and three touchdowns, except, but except you know, for four interceptions. <laughs> yeah. He had four interceptions, which I mean, <laughs> you, you, you can't have, um, and that, uh, Fresno state, honestly, the whole game outplayed Hawaii, but they just, like Florida couldn't get out of their own way and they were asking to get upset. And that's exactly what happened. When you play like that, you're going to loss regardless of who you play against. Yeah. So sad to see, but that is what it is. So that pretty much ends Hainer's uh, uh, Heisman campaign. So uh, going on, speaking of Heisman's uh, the four that I have so far from this uh, updated list, I've got CJ Stroud, had a really good game against Rutgers. Desmond Ritter, obviously a huge game against Notre Dame. Matt Corral, still there because I like his numbers, even though he had a so-so game against Alabama. And, of course, Bryce Young. Bryce Young, you know, undefeated team, number one in America, you know, putting up solid numbers, you know, continues. I don't see anyone else really outplaying any of those guys right now. There are some running backs that are – doing quite well. Uh, um, B. John Robinson for Texas. And then that's uh, what I have on mine. Yeah. And that, that's, I think, so is there, is there another one you have besides Bijan? Besides Robinson, the one I do have uh, is kind of an old favorite. Um, I'm putting Kenny Pickett uh, back into the Kaiserman conversation. He had a fantastic game against Georgia tech. Yeah. Um, I know he threw for four touchdowns and nearly 400 yards. And I, somebody mentioned this and, you know, I'm going to knock on wood here. He almost has 20 touchdowns and only one interception. That's, that's a huge. Really good. Yeah, split good there. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, I would I mean, definitely I, put Kenny Pickett into the conversation there. Cause that's a fantastic start to the year. Yeah. And I like Pickett. I mean, he's probably the reason why Pitt has done so well. And, uh, you know, if, God, if he could just get them to convert all these red zone possessions, which they've had trouble over the years, but if he keeps doing what he's doing, you could see really good numbers out of him and you never know what could happen because this year is a, a crazy year and it's like that 07 year. It's very similar to 07. Yeah. So let's move on. Uh, speaking of, uh, playoff teams. We've got, I'm going to have my first two out, which are Penn state and Oregon. Who are your first two out or last two out? Sorry. Last two. Uh, out. My, my, yeah. Uh, for me at five and six, um, I actually have a couple of big 10 teams. I have Michigan at six and Penn state at five. Okay. Uh, okay. So the top four, I've got Cincinnati, Iowa, Georgia, and Alabama. Who do you got? 
Cincinnati, Iowa, Georgia, Alabama. Great minds <laughs> think alike. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that's about right right now because it, it potentially – I don't know what's going to happen with this Iowa team. They have a lot of tough games coming up. So can they keep that luck going? Can they keep a lot of turnovers? We'll see. We'll we'll talk about that coming up. So let's get to that. Okay. So now time for the week six look ahead. First game we got up Michigan state Rutgers Rutgers after another poor performance. Uh, Well, it wasn't that boring against Michigan, but very poor against Ohio State. Who do you have winning in this game, Ian? Uh, I have Michigan State winning this one. Uh, kind of a change of pace from the Big Ten. I actually think Michigan State's going to win this one via the offense. Um, I think the offense is superior to Rutgers, um, especially the rushing attack with Walker for the Spartans. Um, so I'm going to go with Michigan State. I'll go with a 32-17 win uh, for Sparty. Yeah, I'm going 34-20. I think that uh, Michigan State has really done quite well this year, kind of like an undervalued team. I mean, like, think about it. Over the year, like, they've had some solid wins. They went on the road and beat Miami. They beat Northwestern already. Like, kind of a team that no one's really talking about. Like, do you hear much? Like, no one really talks about this team, yet they're like – beating the teams in front of them. And, you know, they, they had a close game against Nebraska, which I think that probably may have took and took some of the shine away, but still just plugging away, doing the things, you know, like decent. I offense. do actually have like, you know, I do a full, I actually do a full top 10. I do have them at number eight right now. Well, there you go. I'm, but you might be the only one though. That's what I'm saying. Like there's not, there's really not that much talk about them. I know they will play the teams in front of them that, that, you know, Ohio state, Penn state, Michigan. So they have the chance to really prove it, but you know, they, they've kind of been really quiet compared to the other three, you know, Penn state has had bigger matchups, Wisconsin, and, uh, you know, now they'll have uh, uh, this Iowa game coming up that we'll talk about. And then, you know, Michigan had another Wisconsin matchup as well. So I think that's really where it's kind of stood out for them. And Ohio State lost against Oregon. So they've lost a little shine there, too. So I don't know. It's just surprising that Michigan State's undefeated and just kind of like, hey, we're here, but no one's talking about us because everyone's definitely talking about Michigan. You know, like I'm definitely hearing more people talk about them than probably the last two or three years. Okay, so big game, Oklahoma, Texas, Red River shootout. Ian, who do you have in this one? Uh, This one, I think it'll be a classic Red River shootout. Um, I think both offenses go back back and forth, and it'll be a close game. But I think Oklahoma (laughs) sneaks out with another close win on a game-winning field goal. I'm going to go with a 41-38 to win for the Sooners. I had this one close too as well. I think it's going to be like a 28-27 game where it's like back and forth or scoring touchdowns and things are just and it's just like really tight and then it comes down to like uh Texas might have a lead and then Oklahoma scores late. Like I'm talking like last minute or like last like 50 seconds or such type of thing. So it's going to be close, I think it is, and I, you're thinking it as well. So I think we both think it's going to be a close game, regardless of who wins. We think it's going to be close. So speaking of these two disappointing teams from last week, but chance to redeem themselves, at least one of them is going to redeem themselves. Arkansas going to Ole Miss. Who do you have in this game, Ian? Uh, this one, uh, very, you know, I think 
some of the luster may be off Arkansas on this, but I think Ole Miss, it hasn't uh, drawn off as much. I think Ole Miss will get the win in this one. I think Arkansas, based on how the defense can limit, you know, a kind of a mobile quarterback like Carl, we've seen that this year, is going to create some problems. But I think Ole Miss will find a way to win this one. I'm going to go with a 26 to 20 win for the Rebels. Yeah. I'm I'm along that same lines. I'm a little bit more. I think OMS is going to be able to score a little bit more. And so I'm going to go 35-24. I like Matt Corral. I think he's going to have a phenomenal end of his year. Obviously, that tough game against Alabama is behind him now. So it's like whatever. Um Arkansas. It wasn't even an overly bad one. It's just not like what we expected. I mean, I think our expectations were like, oh. He's going to score like eight touchdowns in 800 yards. Well, yeah, it was just because the turnovers, you know, the turnover on downs and then the one fumble loss, you know, that really kind of negated all the good that they were doing in that game. So I just think going forward, Matt Corral is going to have a great finish to his year. And I also think this game's going to be tough just regardless, because I like Arkansas's uh, three, five, three against Ole Miss, but Lane does a really good job of scheming it up. So I think he's going to be able to figure out ways to get them open. So like I said, I think Ole Miss is going to score a decent amount. So moving on to Georgia, Auburn, oldest rivalry in the South. Ian, what is your take on this game? Uh, For this one, uh, I think Georgia, the way the defense is, finds a way to limit Bo Nix and that and kind of force the issue. Um, although it will be at Jordan Harris stadium, I think Georgia will just make Bo Nix uncomfortable. Cause we have seen when he is uncomfortable with the exception of that Houdini play, it's not the most perfect quarterback uh, under pressure. So I think that's what Georgia does best. I think the defense wins this one in a low scoring game. I'll go a 23 to 13 win for the, uh, for the Bulldogs. Yeah, I have it 23 for Georgia as well, but I'm going to go 20 for Auburn. And the reason I'm thinking there is because I think uh, Bo Nix is going to be able to move the ball better than anyone else has done so far this year. But I have Georgia winning. So 23-20 Georgia, and you have Georgia winning as well. So, yes, you Georgia fans can suck it. And, uh, <laughs> you know, look look for the Gators and – two, three weeks, and then, then we'll, we'll talk about it, but uh, let's, let's move on. SMU going up against Navy. What do you got in this one, Ian? Uh, This one, uh, I think the way, just how SMU kind of just that run and gun type of offense, uh, just going to, you know, out, outlast uh, and and just air raid them pretty much uh, Navy. And I think the defense as well um, is going to be able to contain Navy with their uh, option attack. I, I just I don't think Navy can keep up with this type of offense. So I'm going to go with the Mustangs and a bit of a big win. I'm going to go with a 41 uh, to 17 win for SMU. And I'm not far off again because m- most of the time we we are pretty close with these predictions with what we what we see. So I got 35-22 SMU. Um, Navy is not as good as they are uh, most years this year, but they're still solid. But SMU is just been putting up points you know they've been able to move the ball on pretty much everyone um i know i i believe they're going to do it again and like i said 35 22 uh rematch of last year's like bizarre game fsu unc what a bizarre game last year it was just a, like that was yeah unc only lost two games last year in the regular season and one of them was to fsu somehow <laughs> like a three-win fsu yeah. team and it's just so bizarre um 
I think Florida State is going to score 10 points, and I think UNC is going to win 38 to 10. That's what I got for that one, you sorry-ass Seminoles. Um, I am pretty close to that one, actually. I My score was 35 to 10, uh, Tar Heels. <laughs> there you go. Um, I just think, yeah, the Tar Heels, it's, I think that, you know, there's just not enough for Florida State to keep up um, right now. The defense has been good, but I think the way, you know, Sam Howell found a way to pick apart the zone plays um, and kind of just loop them over the linebacking corp uh, or find a way to get underneath because that is the best part of Florida State has been the linebackers. Yeah, uh, you know, I just don't like Florida State at all as far as like not like, yes, I don't like them. Everyone knows that. But I'm saying like I don't like this team. I don't like (laughs) – I'm not, there's nothing to really cheer about or even be positive about this team. This team is terrible in every which way. So North Carolina is going to run through them and it's just going to be, it's going to be a blowout really easily. So let's move on. Boise State, BYU. Um, Let me give my opinion first, because I know what you're probably leaning towards is I'm going to say BYU wins, even though Boise State will be competitive. I'm going to say BYU wins like 31 and I'll say 24. That's what I'm going to go with. I think it's going to be relatively close. Uh, I'm right there with you. Score almost uh, pretty close. I think this is going to be really close. This is kind of going to be a BYU might sweep walk in, but I think with uh, uh, Backmire uh Boise State, I think we'll be able to put it off enough points to keep up, but I think BYU wins another close one. Uh, my score for this one was 30-27 for the Cougars. There you go. Okay. Big game of the day. Probably where game day is. I don't know for sure, but I'm almost positive they're there. No, they're actually, I, I was going to say the absolute joke about this game is that college game day isn't going to this one. They're going to the Red River shootout, which I get. Okay. I get, yes, that is a, you know, Oklahoma and Texas. That's a big rivalry, but this is number four and number three. Yeah. So I, you know, I yeah, it's that weird that they didn't go to Iowa. But, uh, okay, Penn State, Iowa, in Iowa. Um, I think, okay, I'm just going to get my thoughts first because I want to I do this because I'm, I'm just thinking about it right now. Penn State has a very good team, probably a better overall team than Iowa, I think. And – but again, what has been going on the trend this year for Iowa is that very um, fortuitous defense, that very um, uh, Johnny on the spot uh, defense where they're making those turnovers. I think they're going to do it again. I think they're going to, because I don't really love Penn State's quarterback. And that's the difference. I don't really like uh-huh. Iowa's quarterback either, but I know that Iowa doesn't really turn the ball over. And I know Iowa's defense does get forced turnovers. And I think that's going to really, they're going to come after um, the Penn State quarterback, which is, what's his name? It's um, uh, Clifford. Penn Clifford. State. Yeah. Yeah. I knew yeah, Sean Clifford. Yeah, Clifford. Sean Clifford. So Sean Clifford is going to have, I believe, like three interceptions. And I'm going to go with a score of 23 to 10 just because I love Iowa's defense so much. Go ahead, Ian. Um, I'm with you. I think this game is going to be close, but I actually have the Nittany Lions winning this one. Um, 
based solely on Penn State knows how to get tough and physical and dirty into these type of games. I think that was the difference when Iowa played Iowa State. Iowa State did have the better offense, but they couldn't find a way to kind of overcome a team that was going to be able to push back. Penn State knows what happens when a team pushes against them, and I think they're going to find a way to win. I think the offense... It's going to be really close, and it's going to get very like messy. But I think Penn State wins this one in a very close one. My score for this one was 23-18 for the Nittany Lions. Okay. All right. LSU, Kentucky. Who do you have in this one? Um, I just think with the way the rushing attack has been um, – for Kentucky um, and how the LSU defense is kind of, you know, hasn't been all there. I think Kentucky's going to find a way to get enough of those big running plays uh, to set up uh, those big plays. Um, I think Kentucky's going to win this one. I think LSU is definitely going to be fighting, uh, but I'm going to have the Wildcats in this one in a 28 to 22 win. I have a team scoring 28 in this one, but I have LSU scoring 28 because I think LSU's offense is still, you know, pretty decent, you know, as much as they, you know, only scored 19 against Auburn. I still like Auburn a little bit there. And that's probably why they only scored 19. And I also don't really love this Kentucky team. I still think there is like four losses potentially there um, in the mix, which would not be good for Florida because what they need is a three-way tie with uh, Kentucky and Georgia to be able to get in the mix. Because if, um, if Kentucky, what is it? uh, Loses to Georgia and Florida beats Georgia, then it's a three-way, like one team beats the other type thing between the three teams. And if they have the only way that works is if um, they all have uh, a conference record of uh, 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 six and two. So, you know, that has to break that way for Florida to be able to do it. Cause if that, well, actually, no, no, no. Because if, well, cause if Florida, if Florida ties with Georgia, say they have both have two conference losses, then Florida would go over them. I guess that doesn't matter. So like if Kentucky has, Less losses. It depends on if Florida beats Georgia and Kentucky loses like a couple. I still think Kentucky can lose four games. They play LSU, they play Mississippi State, they play Georgia, and they play um uh who was the other one? Tennessee as well. I still think they could lose at least three of those four. And if they lose three, then they then Florida definitely goes above them. But uh so I have that one 28-14. Let's move on to finish this off real quick. Notre Dame, Virginia Tech. Who do you got in this one, Ian? Uh, and this one, uh, this is going to be my upset, actually. Uh, I think the Hokies, um, based on uh, Burnmiser and the way the offense has been uh, producing at an optimal level and how can find a way to get these wins, uh, I have the, the Vatek winning this one in a close one. Um, not good news for Cincinnati, uh, but I have Vatek winning this one 28 uh, to 21. Yeah, I have Vatek winning this as well. I just not impressed with Notre Dame. They won a lot of close games early. Now on their schedule, they've got some tough ones. And uh, I think Vatek wins 34-20. Uh, moving on 
Speaking of that Michigan team, we were talking about them earlier. Michigan going up against Nebraska. Is this a game that Nebraska sneaks in and beats a top 15, top 10 team? I believe they're top 15. Are they top 10? They're in the top 10 now, yeah. Okay, yeah. So does Nebraska get a signature win under Scott Frost? What do you think, Ian? No. Uh, (laughs) I, I... I, I just think Nebraska just has too many flaws compared to Michigan. I think Michigan has found a system of, you know, the running game has been very good this year for Michigan, and Nebraska has had a really tough time of limiting that. Um, I think Michigan will win this one. I want to call it a blowout, uh, but I think Michigan will win this one maybe by two touchdowns. I'll go with a 31 to – let's go 31-17 for the Wolverines. Yeah, I'm going 23-20. I think it'll be closer because it's in Nebraska. So, you know, there should be some, you know, actual passion from their fans, unlike uh, Rutgers, you know, that – well, not Rutgers. Sorry, it was Wisconsin. some reason, that game just didn't seem like there was that much passion. But I guess it was just because, you know, Michigan kind of controlled that game. But uh, regardless – I think it's going to be close. I think that Scott Frost is going to coach him up in this one. And there's potential that it could be an upset, but I'm going to say it's going to be close and Michigan still prevails. Okay. Uh, I'm going to do this score next. Uh, Texas A&M, Alabama. Again, I'm not the biggest fan of Texas A&M. I don't think highly of them. I don't think highly of Jimbo. And I got Alabama rolling 48-13. What do you got in this one, Ian? Um, I'm with you on this one. I think Alabama just runs away with it. Um, You know, I just think there's just more talent on the other side and uh, better – Cohesion, so I'm going to go with the Tide on this one. I'll go with a 42-20 to 20 win for the uh, Crimson Tide. Okay, moving on. Last three. These are Pac-12 games. Utah going up against USC. Who do you got in this one, Ian? Uh, this one I uh, have, you know, I actually have uh, Utah winning this one. Um mm-hmm kind of an upset pick, uh, but I think Utah, based on the quarterback play of Brewer, uh, the transfer from, uh, I believe he was the, yeah, the transfer from uh, Baylor. Uh, they've done very good this year, and I think the defense as well of Utah has been pretty impressive. Um, so I think they get a bit of an upset win against USC. I think it'll be close, uh, but I got the UDs winning this one. I'll go with a 32-24 win, uh, Utah. I like USC in this one just because I haven't seen much out of Utah as far as like good wins this year. And I've seen some relatively soft losses. So I'm going to go with 28, 20. I think USC, you know, I don't know. It's really tough when you lose your coach in the first three weeks. It really is. I don't really know how you recover. I don't even know what you do. It's really kind of, I don't know. I wish they wouldn't have done that. They should have just let it play out. Um, But regardless, they just had a latter part of the season. Yeah. They just had enough and they were just tired of seeing him win games that he or lose games. He shouldn't, but so I got uh, USC winning 28-20. Okay, this next one, it's Arizona-UCLA. I'm going to say UCLA bounces back, and I'm going to say UCLA wins 31-22. to 22. Who you got, Ian? Um, I'm with you. I think UCLA actually scores more. This kind of a layup game for them, at least it should be. Uh, so I'm going to have uh, the Bruins winning this one uh, 38-7. Um, there's just way too many problems on Arizona's side of the ball to really limit this kind of attack. 
And last one, Arizona State, because we got to talk about them because of the fact that they're doing so well uh, and just coming out of, you know, I, I thought, honestly, because of the the issues with the NCAA, I thought that Herm Edwards was going to get fired. I thought there was all this turmoil and like things were going to go south for them quickly, but allegedly nothing is going to happen right now. So they're just keep moving along and they're not a bad team. They've got some talent on the team. So I'm going to say Arizona State wins this Stanford game. I'm going to say they win um, 35 and I'm going to say Stanford 22. No, I'm going to say 23. What do you got, Ian? Uh, for this one, I have Arizona State winning this one, um, mostly because the defense of Stanford has been very – they did a good job against Oregon, but other than that, it's been a bit up and down. They've been giving up a lot of yards. Um, so I'm going to go with Arizona State this one. I'm with you. I'm going to go with a 38 uh, – you know what? A 45 uh, to 25 uh, for the Sun Devils. Smoking them. Okay, that's it, everyone. That is the show. Uh the, a ton of good games, not as many as last week. You know, we, we were blessed with a lot of good games last week. Still a lot of still a decent amount of good games this week. We're not going to talk about Florida Vandy because obviously that's going to be a blowout and uh, whatever. But, uh, you know, obviously I was depressed about Florida losing and it really <laughs> sucked. But you know what? Got to move on. Got to keep going. Um, Ian, what are your socials real quick before we leave? Yeah, um, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, G Gator G, capital G, underscore Gator, underscore capital G. And you can reach us at haterradio.com and also at hater underscore radio for both Insta and Twitter and haterradio1 at gmail.com. I am Chris McLean. My co-host is Ian Gibson. That is all, everybody. We'll see you next week. Take care.